right, please be seated. Give a big hand to our worship team. They do a good job, right? Yes, yes. Yes, awesome. Awesome, awesome. How many of you are coming uh, uh, to the uh, Super Bowl party today? Yeah? All right, okay. I just want to let them take a seat so we can all start together, right? The, the Word of the Lord is amazing. It's going to be amazing. You ready to be fed this morning? Oh, I couldn't wait to come this Sunday. I was so excited because of what the Lord has prepared for us. So you ready? Yeah. Ready for a touchdown? Yes. (laughs) Okay. We are starting a new series, uh, Live Like Jesus. Live Like Jesus. The series will end on March 31st. So this is what I would like us to do together as a church. I want us, I want you to pray along with me, starting today till the end of March, that the Spirit of the Lord will move mightily through you and I, that we can see changes, transformation in people's life. And how that is going to be evident in our church, how the Spirit of the Lord is moving, of course, we will see through life change. Uh... You may call it salvation, uh, through baptism, through people coming and joining the church, uh, being connected to the church, and serving other people. And we will celebrate this on March 31st, all right? So have great expectation and pray along with me. Can I count on you on that one? Yes, all right. So live like Jesus. To live like Jesus, the first thing you have to do is what? Live. You have to live in order to live like Jesus. You have to activate your life through Christ. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Christ has given an example with his life and teaching and how he lived here on earth to live like him. Now you're asking me, Pastor, why do we have to live like Jesus? There are two things that I wanted to tell. Why do we have to live like Jesus? We have to live like Jesus so that we can impact our life and be the complete person that God intended us to be. One. We got that right? The first one is that we impact our own life to live the life that God has intended us to be. The second thing is that we live like Jesus so we impact others and the world to live like God has intended them to be. Right? Oh, why do we do this? Because I'm letting you know this morning, many of you, the world that you lived in, the world that you grew up, is nothing like the world you live in now. Okay? Many of you, the world that you grew up, is nothing like the world that you live in. So what do we do? We adapt. We have to adapt in the world that you live in today. And I am part of the world that you didn't know. I am part of the world that you didn't live in. And you have to live with me. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Oh, isn't that terrible? Oh. 
I love you right back at you, right back at you, right? Awesome. Somebody loved me in this church. Yeah. I didn't have these four spiritual laws. There was no believer's prayer at the end. But the day I met the Lord Jesus Christ, my mind was just captivated by Him. My soul was overwhelmed by His love and His embrace. And I sat in the afternoon in a tropical forest among the tall trees and the sun shining right through the trees and the, and the rays and the sunbeam hitting on my head and on my face. I said, I want to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? It was something about him that I want to be like him. It was something that I could not explain. But this man, this man, Jesus Christ, had totally captivated my heart and my mind and my soul. And on that day, in a tropical forest, somewhere in the northeast of India, in the jungle, in the thick of the jungle, along with some group of people, about five and the teacher, he wasn't even a seminary trained. He doesn't know the four spiritual laws. He didn't lead me into a believer's prayer. But there, he pointed me to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I said, I want to be a follower of Christ. That's how I started my journey. That's how I started my journey. My journey with the Lord Jesus Christ started with his total compassion toward me, that he could relate to me at that time, at that age, in that setting, in that world. My life hasn't been the same since then. So today, wherever you're living in, what kind of world you may live in, whatever setting that you live in, Christ is able to penetrate. And we're going to look at Luke 15. Luke 15, 25 to 32 today. And this is the story. Not about the prodigal son. It's not about the prodigal father. But it's about the brother, the prodigal older brother. I want to talk about him today. Because I am like the older brother. I am like the older brother. I don't know about you. Maybe some of you feel like you're the, the younger son who was lost, the prodigal son, or some of you may connect to the father. But I connect to the older brother because I am like the older brother. Let me read it for you from Luke 15, 25 to 32. And the Word of God reads here, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all this year I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. 
But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we have to celebrate and be glad, because his brother of yours was dead and is alive again He was lost and is found. This is the word of the Lord from Luke 15, 25 to 32. So when we talk about live like Jesus, there are two critical foundational truths in the formation stage to live like Jesus. And I want to talk about the two critical foundational truths. One is that... It is only Christ that made you alive. Okay? Only Jesus made you alive. So, in order to live like Christ, what do you do? You activate. You activate your life through Christ if you have to live. Many of you own a device, an iPad, iPhone, Samsung, Android, whatever. When you get a new device, what do you do? You activate it. You activate it. Right? You activate that device so that you can use it in our Christian journey. You activate that the life you have through Christ. It is He who made you alive. You were dead in sin and trespasses. Ephesians 2, 1. You were dead in trespasses and you were made alive by Christ. So you activate your life through whom? Through Jesus. Right? Now, when you have activated, what do you do next? You authenticate. Many of you have that authenticated number, right? Uh, It's only you. Who authenticate that you are a child of God? It is the Holy Spirit that authenticates that you are a child of God. The Word of God says it is the Holy Spirit that witness to your spirit that you are a child of God. Only the Holy Spirit can authenticate that you are a child of God. Are we clear on that? Two foundational truths. One, activate your life through Christ if you want to live the complete life that God has prepared for you. Two, you authenticate with the Holy Spirit who will bear witness to your spirit that you are a child of God. Why do we need to do that? Because when you authenticate your life, it's the gifts that comes in you. It's the power of God. It's the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit that comes in you and lives in you. It's the one that raised Jesus from the dead that lives in you so you can also live a life to impact your life and impact the life of other people. Right? That's the two fundamental foundational truths that we need to know. There's also two critical steps that we have to, uh, we have to take. One, of course, is to live like Jesus. You have to live with Jesus. There is no way you can live like Jesus if you don't live with Him. So that's the... And the second step is, why do I live like Jesus? It's because others can live like Him. Those are the two steps that we also need to be aware. All right, any questions on that? Or you don't agree, or, you know, we can have a back and forth. Pastor, I don't like that. Uh, That doesn't sound biblical. Or we're okay with that. Right? 
Okay, moving on then. Let's move on to the scripture then. The word of God says here, now his older brother was in the field. Right? He was in the field doing what? He was doing work. He's a dutiful, responsible, reliable brother. You can count on him to do the work. See, he was in the field. When his younger brother, what was he was squandering the wealth with prostitutes and having party, this guy is in the field. He's working. Isn't he a good guy? Yes. And no. <laughs> Work is not enough for salvation. Do you hear me? Good works is not enough for salvation. Yes. What is? Yes. What is enough? It is by grace we are saved through faith. It is not the good work. It is not the reliable, dutiful son, the responsible. Every dedication, devotion that you have given to God, and you say, I'm going to earn my way to this complete life, the abundant life that God has planned and prepared for me. I'm going to earn my way through that. No, it is not going to happen. How will it happen? It will happen when you align yourself and partner yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ, and that will happen. Good works is not enough for salvation. This guy, he is like me. An older brother, I'm the oldest in my family. So I obey my mom because my dad passed away when, he, when I was very young. We do things together. But my devotion to my mom, the work that I do with her to take care of my sisters and my brother, that is not enough for me to lead the life that God has intended and planned for me. No, it is not enough. It was only that the light dawned on me when I met the Lord Jesus Christ, how I should live. How I should live. Good works is not enough for salvation. Not by works, by grace. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. So many of us, we feel here, we do a lot of work. We do a lot of work at home. We do a lot of work at church. And we need to check our attitude. Because when the other friend is not doing like you do, then we get upset. Right? Then we get annoyed. Then we get irritated. And our attitude, this upset attitude, this annoyed attitude, it shines and flows through us. It just becomes poisonous. And it's not appealing to other people. See? Because when you are self-righteous, when you are self-righteous, it's repelling to people. So, trust in the Lord, in His good work. Activate your life through Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit authenticate your true identity. He was angry. See? He was angry. I tell you, my friends, we have to be attractive. By that, I don't mean like, be a model, right? No. Okay? Yeah. 
You don't have to know how to dance like pastor, okay? But I'm telling you, when you're angry, it's not attractive. Anger is not attractive. This guy was angry. This, this young son, this older son was angry. He was angry. Anger repels people. And we're angry at so many people. We're just angry at the world. You know, and Christians are just angry people sometimes. We're just angry at everybody. We're angry at the government. We're angry at the president. We're angry at the Congress. We're angry for no reason. We're just angry people. Go on Facebook and see how the Christian spews anger at everyone. Oh, it is not attractive. Stay away from Facebook. And Twitter, if you're not kind and gentle and uplifting and you know, because why was he angry? Because he was super, super moral. He has this superior morality. He said, I am more super moral than you. Right? This guy, he messed up. My brother, he messed up. This guy, I am not. I am righteous. You know, I do things right. And he was looking down on him. And I tell you, morality is not enough for salvation. Morality is not enough for salvation. What is? When you, uh, when you read in uh, 1 John 3, uh, actually 1 John 3 and 4 is a good read. But in 1 John 3, when you read from verse 14 to 16, it says, you have to love your brother if you say you love me. Okay? And why do you have to love your brother? Because I laid down my life for you. I loved you even when you were not worthy to be loved, and I laid down my life for you, so you love your brother. If you love your brother, then the love of God is in you. Right? So, can you love someone when you're angry? No, no, no. It's hard to love someone when you're angry, right? I love you. (laughs) Be attractive. Anger is not attractive, my friends. Not only that, so one, right? He was at the field. He was angry. What didn't he do? He said he would not go in. See, when he came, he met the servant. This is so interesting. And he met the servant, one of the servants, and he asked the servant, what's happening? I can hear the music and dancing, right? Right? We're doing some salsa or I don't know or, you know, mamba or, or whatever. They're going on there, party, Right? It's mid is uh, anyway. It's mid eastern, so it's be something like the Oriental dance. And, okay. Uh, he would not go in, and he the servant said, "Oh, your brother, who was lost, he came back safe and sound, and they're having a great party." And he said, "He would not go in. He would not go in. Why wouldn't he go in?" Because he is unclean. I'm not going to associate with this guy. I'm not going to associate with this kind of people. Today, when I came in here, I was praying with uh, a group of people, and I turned to one of our beloved members and said, How are you doing? And she said, I am clean and sober for 
one year. Right? One year. I remember the first day I met her, she came to my office and she was crying. She was embarrassed and ashamed to talk about herself. And she talked about all the past that she had and, and the damaged life that she went through. And this new me. So I look at her and say, what has been the greatest challenge and blessing for you? This living aside my damaged life and living this new me, new creation. To be on that path is a challenge for me. That's what she said. But I tell you, we love. We love you. If you are in recovery, anyone that is here in recovery from alcohol, from any addiction, let's give them a hand. Yes. Yeah. We love you. This is your place. You're in the right place. Right? Recovery is not a taboo. It's not a stigma. We do this together. We absolutely love it that you can say, I'm sober for one year, and I am struggling, and I need, a, I need you so we can do this together. That's why we're here. All right? But he would not go in. This guy would not go in. I was talking to another one of our friends. Now, it's been a while now. And he said, and when I sent a text message and email, and he said, Pastor, I am too ashamed to go out with you. You wouldn't want to be, you wouldn't want to be with me. That's what he said. He said, I don't want to be seen with you because I will be an embarrassment for you. I said, no, why? You know, I have lost my faculty of thinking probably. My memory is losing. Uh, my speech is losing. Uh, you don't want to be out there with me. And I say, no, no, why not? And we made uh, an appointment for lunch appointment, and we ate lunch in the wonderful California sun, right? And uh, we prayed together, and the Lord laid in my heart to lay my hands on him and pray for him, and just God snapped him out and pulled him out of darkness. And he has been an absolute wonderful brother to me, and leading Bible study, and have all this wonderful knowledge in his head that has all come back, right? Right? I tell you, if we are struggling with mentally, uh, emotional illness, mental illness, this is the place for you. You are welcome here. It's no shame. You should not be ashamed. You should not be embarrassed. We do this together. Right? Take every stigma away. So everyone who is struggling emotionally, mentally, we are praying for you and praise the Lord that God is healing you. Right? Let's give them a big hand. Right? Yes. But he would not go in. He would not go in. Because he was too self-righteous. See, I'm like the older brother. I have done like that to people. I've treated like that to people. And I continue to check myself every day in the way I talk to people, the way I interact with people, that I don't fall to that default. But live in the new creation through Christ that has activated my life, authenticated by the Holy Spirit. You see where I'm going at? 
You can't do this alone. I mean, at least for me, I can't do it alone. Self-righteousness is not enough for salvation. Because Titus 3, 5 says, Not because of righteous deeds, but by the mercy. By the mercy of God. Never through our righteous acts that we are saved and transformed, but by the mercy of God that we were saved. That we were saved. <clears throat> okay. So be appreciative. Okay? Graciousness is contagious. So now since he didn't go in, uh, what happened? It, is this the end of the story? Oh, no. No. His father came out and pleaded with him. This is so beautiful. It's the Father God that takes initiatives to have this relationship. I tell you, Santa Clara First Baptist Church, it is God who initiates a relationship with you. Right? Amen. Yes, amen. You can say it loud, sister. Amen. It is God who initiates relationship with you from the beginning of time. He initiates. Only God can draw you to salvation. Jesus told and was teaching, it is only my Father that draws you to me. Only, only Christ. Only God can draw us to salvation. Not through our good works, not through our self-righteousness, not because you are super, you have a super, uh, you are a super moral being. No. It is through grace. It is through His mercy. It is God who initiates us into a relationship and bring transformation. What is salvation? Salvation means wellness. It means emotional wellness. It means physical wellness. It, is, it means wellness in our soul. Sozo is a Hebrew word. It means wellness, completeness, wholesome. A winsome person, right? That's it. Who does that for you? God does that for you. How many of us doesn't want to live a winsome life, right? You want to live a worrisome life or a winsome life? I go for winsome life. How do we do that? I stick with God. I align with God. How do I live an attractive life? I stay with Christ. I stay with the Holy Spirit. I don't want to be an angry husband. I don't want to be an angry father. I don't want to be an angry pastor all the time, people. <laughs> Yeah, you can laugh at me all you want. But God loves me. <laughs> Be attentive and listen to God and to others. Only God can draw. So his father came out. His father came out. And this is, this is the conversation. Listen to others. I want to talk about this. So look at this conversation. These many years, I have been serving you I never transgress your commandment, right? Look at the word. I never, I never. How many of you live with that kind of people at home? I've never done that. I've never, right? Oh, somebody's point. Don't point fingers. I can just see from your face, okay? <laughs> I never. You see, the word of God is, I have been slaving for you for this many years. The word here, doulos, Greek word doulos is slave to slave. What is missing here, my friends? What do you think is missing with the word slaving? Yes? Love. 
Yes. Oh, my. I don't have to preach. You guys got it already. What is missing is when you have this slave-master relationship, right? What is missing is the father-child relationship. This son totally missed the father-child relationship and said, I have been slaving for you all this year. I have been your slave. He didn't consider his father as a father. He considered him as a slave master. Did you see that? There was no father-child relationship. How can that happen? Activate your life through Christ. And you can have this father-child relationship. Father-daughter, father-son relationship. You got that? All right. Now, another one here. Very interesting here. He said, uh, because the Word of God says we are no longer slaves, but son. We are ears to the throne. Uh, Galatians 4, 6, 7. And here, another one. Yet, you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. You never gave me. Somebody is counting. Somebody is counting, right? First Corinthians 13, verse 5. Keep no records of wrong. This guy is keeping record, my friends. Right? In the, it's like me and my wife. Okay? My wife's not here, so I mean, I, I hope I can get to go home. In the beginning, right, I talk. She listens, right? She never talks. She hardly talks. I could hardly get a word out of her, you know? Now she talks, right? And I talk, and nobody is listening, right? <laughs> now, actually, who is listening? My children are listening. And they're looking at us and say, Mommy, Daddy, it's like a tennis ball, right? Bump, bump. You got to be careful. Somebody got to listen. I never, you know, like you never gave me anything. You never took me out for a Valentine's Day dinner. You never. How about 18 times? I'm just saying. I might have forgotten. <laughs> But when you start counting wrongdoing, you can't have a good relationship. So this son is saying, you never gave even a goat to me. Do not keep records of wrongdoing. Forgive as Christ has forgiven you. See? And if we can't do that, oh, we can't do that. I can guarantee you, you cannot do that if you don't activate your life through Christ and being authenticated by the Holy Spirit. You will not be able to do that. Next one. This is even more alarming. Look at this. Look at this. And uh, he said, uh, but as soon as this son of yours came, see that? Even the servant said, your brother. He couldn't even get to the point to say, my brother. He said, this son of yours. See that? When this son of yours came, you killed him a fattened calf, right? In the culinary world, the, to kill a fatted calf means like the absolute generous, amazing hospitality, okay? This is like the epic hospitality. The father has welcomed the son. And the son is saying, 
this son of yours. He came. And you gave this great hospitality. You were involved in dancing. You know? Do not shut your heart for a brother in need. 1 John 3, 7. He shut his heart. How do you know you love God? If you say you love me and you hate your brother, truth is not in you. You're a liar. That, in fact, it went on to a word that is so harsh to say you are a murderer. Right? In 1 John. If you don't love your brother, you're a murderer. <sighs> love God and your brother. So, we may do whatever we want here. We may sing, dance, do offering, update, everything. But if we don't love one another, everything is meaningless. Everything is absolutely meaningless. You wasted your Sunday morning and you came here for nothing. Right? And people look at us and say, These Christian people, what do they come and do inside the church for like two hours? They are angry people, unattractive people. Oh my, I don't want to go near them. Right? But if we go out here loving one another, holding each other in prayer, loving those who are in recovery, people that are struggling with mental illness, emotional illness, and doing life together, accepting people just as they are. Then they say, what's up? Something's up here. See? It's, you set the bar high by loving people. See, as I told you, your world is disrupted by my intervention. See? I came to your life and it hasn't been the same. You get the point? But you loved me anyway, even though I'm different, because we are a multicolored church, different but one. That's Santa Clara First Baptist Church. Yes? Awesome, awesome. So um, it was it was it it was right that we should make merry and be glad. See? God affirmed him. For your brother was dead and is alive and again and was lost and is found. So let's round out this story. And why this is important. Because you have been taught all this time about the prodigal son and the prodigal brother. Right? Do you know actually there were three sons? No, but that's okay. Be honest. It's good. So this story has three sons. It's the younger brother, the older brother, and the eldest brother. Okay? And the father. So the eldest brother has been with us. Who is the eldest brother? The one who is telling the story. He has seen the father mourn for the lost son. He had been with him. He had seen the father grief for the lost son. He had wanted to be with him. He had, he had seen him go and look for him. Right? The thing is, the, the eldest brother saw that his younger brother was lost in the world. And there is another brother lost at home. See? So this story of lostness is out in the wilderness, out in the world, and lost at home. There, there can be people lost in the church and lost at home and lost out in the world. And what did he do? It's the older brother that went to look out for the lost son. It is he that went out 
because he loved the father because he grieved for the father that he went to look out for the lost son and brought him home what did he do for the older brother he died for the older brother he died for elder brother like me my brother my older brother lord jesus died for me so i don't have to be self-righteous i don't have to be angry at the world all the time i don't have to look down at people i don't have to have this hold my nose in front of the sinners and prostitutes and tax collectors because who did jesus tell this story when the tax collectors and the sinners came in front of the pharisees and sadducees and the scribes he told this story so that the tax collectors and prostitutes can hear and the sinners can hear and he told the pharisees it is he who gave his life for the lost son in the world and for the lost son at the world because he loved his father and his father wanted us to live the life that he has intended and planned and purposed from the beginning of time so in order to live the life that god has intended for us what do we need to do we have to live like jesus and live with him does it make sense now yes this is the story of three sons the two sons that were lost and all the eldest brother who died for you and i because he, the father has a big heart and in his room there is room for everyone this table signifies that the older brother died for you i'm going to ask the worship team to come This is more than the fatted calf. He gave his own life for you. It's because he loved you. So you may feel like I'm the prodigal son today. You may feel like, oh, I'm the older brother today. Oh, there is room in the heart of God for you. And this table is welcome to anyone who believes and follows the Lord Jesus Christ. You may have come from different tradition and faith background, but if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and you follow him, you are a follower of Jesus Christ, this table is for you. Right? Isn't it a wonderful thing that God wants you to live a complete life? Complete life in God. I'm going to ask the people that are going to help so we can pray together to come forward and at the end of the service we will pray with you if you need prayer today by the well please come here we will pray for you and some and i will also be at the back pastor jonathan pastor dan will be here just come bring everything and pray with them and i will be at the back to ready to pray with you So on the night uh, that our Lord Jesus Christ was going to be betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it, and he said, this is my body. Now this is real. The reality of the kingdom of God that has come upon you is because he broke his body for you. I just want to let you know that uh, anxiety, depression, mental illness, or addiction problem, whatever you go through, those things are very real. Okay? We can't just cover it and say oh those things are not happening no it's real the world is real but what is also real is the kingdom of god 
the change and transformation that he brings through the work that was done on the cross of Calvary. He broke his body for you and I. And the same night that he was going to be betrayed, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood. This is a new covenant. For what? For the remission of your sin. It means for the forgiveness of your sin. So we can live like Christ. We can be we can activate our life and authenticate it by the Holy Spirit. It's possible because of this. And you do this in remembrance of me. When? As often as you can. Today is a good day to remember, isn't it? Yes, Anna Clara? Isn't today a good day to remember? Yes, yes, I like that. Yeah. We love you, Lord. We love you. And this, the people that are here, Jonathan... Can you pray for the bread? And Jim, can you pray for the blood? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your body that was broken for each one of us. We thank you for the healing that you bring us. We pray for the body of Christ. Prepare us to take your body and to remember your body was broken for each one of us. Dear Lord, uh, what is man that you are mindful of him? Why did you come to shed your blood for our sin? You could have just washed your hands and tried a new experiment. And you loved us so much that you took our sin upon yourself. Thank you, Lord. church Christ welcomes you to the table rejoice in the Lord and have fellowship with the Father Son and the Holy Spirit you can go to any of the stations